Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. We are broadcasting live from just another Phoenix on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. That sees the deal has gone live. So if you want to get yourself $50 in gift certificates to just another Phoenix, you can do that right now for $25. You can do that right now by going to SeizeTheDeal.com. And uh, joining us for this hour at Just Another Phoenix, we have Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Morning, Tim. And uh, you, you're... Get to be out here on the road with me today. I'm already digging into the Boston cream uh, French toast. You made the right choice there. <laughs> Pretty good. So, and and when it came out, you looked at it and you said, it, it looks like Boston cream pie. It, it looks like a Boston cream pie, only bigger. <laughs> it, it is a hearty breakfast. It's nine ninety five, and you are going to walk around full for the rest of the day. Yeah, on yeah this. This, I, I may have to... Um, Go off my diet for the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> I what I did yesterday is I ate very little, knowing that I was going to be coming here today, and I'll eat very little today because I'm going to be so stuffed. Uh, but of course, the food here is always great. Come on down, join us, have some breakfast, and uh, and Jack, you're going to be filling in for me next week, next Thursday. I am. I am. It's my birthday too. I didn't. T- I didn't tell you that. Part. I heard you say it though the other day because I'm a I'm a regular listener to WBSM and I heard you say that. Now I I'm not one of those take your birthday off kind of people. So if it wasn't for the doctor's appointment, I would be there. I'd be working. But. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a not the best of reasons for me to be there, but I'm happy to be there and help you out anyway. We appreciate it, and uh, and of course you've been there for New Bedford Light all this season, covering every all this year, covering everything that was going on this year, and taking a look back. 2023 was a pretty interesting year. You know, we say that at the end of every year. We say, oh, a lot of good things happened. A lot of bad things happened. Time flew by. But this year really did seem to fly by with a lot of stuff going on around the city and around the South Coast. Yeah, I I always like at the end of the year to do these end of the year best of stories because 
you, you you look back and you forget some of the, especially the secondary stuff that happened that really is um, a lot. And this year I knew it was jam-packed uh, just because of the, the city council theatrics for, for, for one thing. But there were a lot of other things that happened uh, too. So it was a, a jam-packed year and I think it's it's good to reflect that at the end of the year and what happened. So we're going to talk about these and if you want to call in during the discussion, 508-996-0500. You can also send app chat messages on the WBSM app. See, that's the... I have multiple computers here so that we can handle all of that stuff and we're not going to miss a beat. So uh, you can feel free to call in and take part in the discussion. So you, you had mentioned maybe doing this in kind of a, a countdown style. And I think, you know, when, when it comes to New Year's, when it comes to the end of the year, countdowns are always pretty popular. But uh, can, you, can you do a Dick Clark impression? As Dick Clark impression. I, I cannot do impressions at all of anybody, <laughs> so so uh, I don't think I could do a Dick Clark impression. Although I was a, a big fan of uh, American Bandstand when I was a kid. Maybe I can drop in a Casey Kasem when we get. And now uh, with the countdown. <laughs> but uh, we'll have we, to bring in Taylor Cormier for the impressions. <laughs> so let's let's start with. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of the five biggest stories. What what was the fifth biggest story? Okay, so uh, you know, these these are just five stories that I always measure them by what will have long term effects. What really moved the city? And in the fifth place, I have a story that is sort of a compendium of things that happened, and that is Sheriff Harrow's uh, change of policies at the uh, Bristol County Jail. We know that he um, got rid of a lot of people, but more than that, he emphasized recidivism and how to retrain people and also um, suicide prevention. And um, he had his first big... um, uh, I won't call it a riot, but a disturbance uh, at the facility. That was a big deal, and he came through it. That's a hard thing for uh, uh, a new sheriff to do. So I think the, um, the the Bristol County House of Correction going in a different direction was sort of one of those stories that was big at the beginning of the year, if you go all the way back to when he first took over, and you didn't hear that much about it later, but the policies have changed there. I think that'll have a lot of long-term effects. And one of the things that I heard recently, so so Tom Hodgson was sitting in with Chris recently, right before Christmas, and he, although he's still critical of the election and what happened in the election, uh, they, they've talked a lot about outside money coming in and like as if this is the first time that's ever happened in an election, as if there were never any conservative organizations that might have donated to Sheriff Hodgson's well, campaign. also one of the first times we've had a Bristol County Sheriff who was a national figure, and when your sheriff is a national figure, outside money is going to come in. Well, and I was going to say, too, that's, that's kind of a credit to the name that, that Tom Hodgson made for himself, that if he feels that George Soros was stuffing money into the Bristol County Sheriff's election, it's because you got on his radar. And well, so... Because you went to the border. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, but uh, while he was still critical of the election and, um, and, and what he, how he felt it played out, he was... Uh, not critical of Sheriff Harrow and you know he he seems to want to be supportive of hey he's the guy that's in there and he's he's doing the things that he sees fit and he's trying things his way um, and I think that we have we had a lot of people that when Harrow won the election said well this is just going to be a huge a huge uh, problem there's going to be you know crime all out in the streets and with the exception of that that riot which is going to happen I mean they're going to test the new sheriff they did it to Sheriff Hodgson uh, that, you know, I think all the those critics have kind of quieted down a little bit and the sky isn't falling when it comes to incarceration in Bristol County. No, I, I always thought, even during the campaign, that Paul Harreau was a more moderate guy than some of the people supporting him. Um, I have a lot of um, respect for Bristol County for correctional justice, but there's no doubt that they're on the, the, the far, far the progressive side of the um, spectrum. And I thought that 
Hero just from what I knew talking to him. And his record in Attleboro was a was a more moderate guy. I would put uh, Sheriff Hudson on the far right side and in Bristol County for Correctional Justice on the far left side. And I think Hero is in the middle. And I, I think that's where a lot of people are. And I think he's he's so far seems to be doing a good job up there. And uh, and of course, time will tell. Uh, you know the long term effects of the programs that he's put into place. But at least in the immediate, you know there there's been less suicides. I guess you can. I mean, if, you've got to have a statistic there, even though it, putting it into a number still feels odd. It's got to be you know looked at as data, and they've had a lot less. Um, controversy coming yeah. out of there. Yeah. Well, with suicides and recidivism, those are long-term projects that you're going to have to see two or three years out. You're not going to be able to see it in the first six months, even the first year as to whether there's been a significant change. But I think three or four years into his term, you'll definitely be able to get a measure of are his policies working. But um, I, I've been struck you know, by a um, novel sheriff, someone who had worked in corrections but not been a sheriff before. There, there was that disturbance, but there hasn't been a lot of just um, negative stories. And you can sometimes get that with a new candidate, so uh, a new um, incumbent. So uh, I think that the change at Bristol County House of Correction was, was a big one for this year. And uh, so, and if you want to comment on that, 508-996-0500, uh, what about the number four story? The number four story, and I have my notes in front of me because my brain at this point is not a good memory, is um, the debut of the wind industry in the waterfront and the small number of local jobs that came in. We did have a significant number of jobs, but many of them, as we, as we read throughout the year, went to unions outside of the area. We had that job action where the... Um, uh, the stevedores, you know, protested and they got some jobs for their people, but still not the number of jobs as we saw in a recent report that we would have hoped for. So the wind industry, New Bedford did get uh, its share of it. Anybody who goes down to the New Bedford waterfront have seen it looks like a very different waterfront than it used to look like. It's now an industrial waterfront. The fishing industry is in the middle, uh, but the, the southern part and some of the part near the, the bridge are, are, are much more uh, industrial looking. This is a big change. Um, I think we have to have a share of that wind industry, but you wouldn't want Rhode Island and, and uh, New Jersey and New York uh, uh, to have all of it. You want Massachusetts to have a share of it. Um, those were not areas that were being used for fishing before the wind went into them. The Enstar plant was always a power place. Um, the uh, South Terminal was just built uh, in the last 10, 15 years. So I, I think that the arrival of wind was a big story and the disappointment in the number of jobs it brought this year. The Light has a report uh, just published about, you know, the the lack of local jobs that have come in, the lack of jobs for um, for minorities, too. That was a big part of this sell was that they were going to... I mean, obviously, you know, I, I had uh, Buddy Andrade on quite a bit to talk about that program they're doing uh, where they are training folks up for those jobs. So you're going to see more of that come down the line as these people are getting trained to be able to, to come in and take the jobs. You can't just hire somebody off the street until they have all the necessary certifications, but it still is underwhelming how many local people got those jobs. Yeah, and there's been a long time to prepare for this. We've been talking about it for years. I, I just think if they should have done better. I think there needs to be better systems for holding them accountable. The job action by the um, the, the uh, Lumpus Union helped, but but uh, I, I don't think that, that that's the only thing that you can 
that you can do. Uh, so I think the mayor has said he wants to do better, but there has to be some sort of accountability mechanism. I don't know whether that what that would be, even if it's publicity, but we have to keep on them about this is what's the point of it if, if, if there aren't local jobs yeah and I think you know I think the mayor and those folks involved in the wind industry will be happy if at the end of 2024 when we're talking about this if the wind industry isn't on the list you know if it just becomes part of the fabric of New Bedford and it, it, it is no longer something where people are you know needing to keep a watchful eye on it that it, it yeah. comes in and it assimilates itself into our economy yeah I, I think it has to approve itself and we're going to see I, th I think we also need to um uh, have some studies that will take place over years about how much business it does bring to the local economy because we do know that there are legitimate concerns that the fishing industry has about it and that they they do not feel as compatible with fishing we're going to see uh as those turbines are out there off of martha's vineyard whether they can be compatible uh, before we have to take a break here, let's get into number three. Number three is the debate on what to do about escalating housing costs in New Bedford. Uh, we had the attempt to put a ballot question which got drowned because it was joined to two other ballot questions. But there's no doubt that the escalating costs of both rent and uh, housing for first-time homebuyers has been a, a big problem in New Bedford this year. City Councilor at large, Shane Burgo, has been the face of that uh, thing. Mayor Mitchell, I would say, came kind of late to the issue. He's really been an advocate for more market rate housing for most of his term. But he has come out with a plan this year. Uh, that plan does emphasize building, which I think most experts agree is the long-term biggest solution. I do think that you may have to think of something in the in the realm of rent stabilization as time goes on. Um, there continue to be, to be concerns about gentrification in the city. Um, we have three projects on in the downtown where I live going on right now. 18 and Union, which is at the old National Club, is going to be mostly upscale housing. Then we have a, a mixed-use one right across from the New Bedford Housing Authority's um, uh, headquarters at the DeMello International Center on Union Street. And then up the hill uh, where the old registry was, we're going to have um, one uh, that will also be mixed uh, rate market rate. We have a few other small projects around the city, but they really need to do a lot more building. Well, we can talk some more about that coming up. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. We'll also get to the top two stories. Jack has some honorable mentions. I've got some stories I'll bring into the mix. And, of course, any that you think as well. Again, 508-996-0500. We are broadcasting live from just another Phoenix on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. Come on down. Hang out with us. Have some breakfast. Have some Boston cream stuffed French toast or whatever <laughs> else you want to have. Uh, the home fries here are amazing. The cheese rolls are great. I can smell the bacon cooking. And... And so uh, come on by, hang out with us, and get that Seize the Deal right now at SeizeTheDeal.com. We'll be right back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. Tim Weisberg broadcasting alongside Jack Spillane here at Just Another Phoenix on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. The Seize the Deal is live at SeizeTheDeal.com. They're flying out the door, but there's still some left if you want to jump over there and get yourself $50 in certificates for just 25 bucks. Jack recommends the uh, Boston Cream Stuff French yeah. Toast. It's, See, it's, it's filling. <laughs> people are like, you've been talking about that for years, Tim, but there's there's yeah, a reason for yeah, it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Like, you know, come on up and get it. And everything here looks good. Like, you know, I'm, it's sort of like you have to choose something and you, you feel bad because you can't choose everything. 
Well, if people that get those certificates, they can come here and they can try a little of everything. Because, you know, that, that goes a long way here. And the, the thing is, it's a place where you can go out and have breakfast and it's affordable. I mean, it's getting to the point where, you know, where can two people go out and have breakfast for 25 bucks or less these days? And this is one of the few places where you can. Yeah, it's affordable and it's a nice atmosphere. It's a nice, it's a cheery place, like, you know, wide open so there's no, you're not crowded. It's a... It's nice. Always good conversations happening here too, and you gotta you gotta come in sometime and sit at the counter and watch the cook make your breakfast. It's amazing. I have done that. Well, uh, we will <laughs> certainly uh, welcome anybody that wants to come over here and join us too, uh, and we'll take your calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We have about four minutes before we're going to go into the newsroom. Do we want to bring up the number two story? Um, well, we may have to bleed this over because number two is a big one, and okay. that is city council dysfunction. Uh, I think that it had a lot of aspects to it this year. You had the um, uh, pay raises for a handful of city employees. Then you had three ballot questions all put on a one night, then taken off on another night. You had the um, the issue of the term limit uh, effort. And then you had a lot of talk in the fall campaign that uh, several councils were going to fall off. They didn't. Uh, Linda Morad and Naomi Connie, ironically, finished for fourth and fifth place tied. Uh, with the exact same number of votes. They got their act together. But there's been a lot of talk about, there was a lot of talk this year about the city council. How could it function in a more positive way? And so I think that was a, a big a big deal. And so now as we are coming to the end of her term this year as, as council president, how much of that do you lay at the feet of council president Morad? Well, I don't think it's just Councilor Morad. I think she definitely plays a role in that. I think that uh, Morad, you know, uh, is a, very capable counselor, but she tends to seem to be in controversy, you know, um, and the same thing uh, to a lesser extent with Brian Gomes. And and so uh, some of that people have said is because uh, of competition with the mayor. Uh, both uh, Morad and Gomes have wanted to be mayor themselves, have run for mayor. Um, I think Linda points out that they have a special role, a, a separate role to play. They do. And you definitely want to have a check and balance on a guy like John Mitchell, uh, who seems to want his own way on a lot of things. But I think you have to um, check yourself that the, whatever particular issue you're objecting to is not about personal bad feelings between yourself and the other party and about a policy matter. And sometimes, you know, you can come up with a policy rationale for anything, but does the policy make sense? And are you willing to work for compromise because the voters have just re-elected John Mitchell to another four years. They've just re-elected you to another two years. Are you going to work together or are you going to try to have stalemate again? And, and you can't, the, the voters have demonstrated that they don't want it to be all one way or the other. Right. And, you know, I just, I asked that question because we get a lot of calls that want to place everything at her feet. And I think, sure, some things are, are of her own doing, but there's been a lot of things that I think are just, you know, she's been the scapegoat for. I also think that there are, you know, there's just competing personalities on a city council that's trying to have a united front. And that's always going to have some yeah. friction. I, th I think it's not all her. Uh, I think the mayor plays a role. But I do think that there are other councilors who have been president, Ian Abu and Joe Lopes in recent years who have had a more positive relationship. Uh, and um, even, even some of the ways the council functions, you know, with the issue with the gadflies and, you know, it's how you handle them. I think, uh, uh, I do think that, that 
she could work on a few things. That's just my opinion. Well, uh, we're going to be taking a break here for the news. Adam's going to give you all the headlines of the day while Jack and I enjoy our breakfasts. If you want to come on down and join us, you can do that. We are at uh, Just Another Phoenix on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. You can also call in at 508-996-0500. You can also send us those app chat messages on the WBSM app, too. Uh, but make sure during the news, if you are, you know, put one ear listening to what Adam's saying, and then you use your other brain capacity to jump on the computer and get that seize the deal before it is gone at seize the if you don't see it when you get to seize the you just got to go in and change where it says you know it'll say seize the deal whatever town just change that to new bedford sometimes your computer thinks you're in a different location because of your ip address so just find the new bedford page and you will see that deal right there $25 to get $50 worth of certificates to just another phoenix can't go wrong all right now let's go into the newsroom with adam bass Presidential candidate Nikki Haley is refusing to say that the slave that slavery led to the Civil War. Haley, excuse me, Haley, not Healy, Haley spoke Wednesday at a New Hampshire town hall and was asked by a voter, quote, what was the cause of the Civil War? The former South Carolina governor and ambassador to the United Nations gave a lengthy response about the role of government and, quote, the rights of people, but never mentioned slavery. The voter who asked the question said he found it, quote, astonishing that slavery wasn't mentioned. The Democratic National Committee responded by saying condemning slavery is the baseline for anyone who wants to be president of the United States. And President Joe Biden quote tweeted that comment and said it was about slavery. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is working with the president of Mexico amid a surge of migrants flooding the U.S. border. Blinken led a U.S. delegation to Mexico City on Wednesday to discuss migration with President López Obrador. On Wednesday night, Blinken said on social media that they made it clear the U.S. is committed to partnering with Mexico to address what he called, quote, unprecedented migration as well as reopening key points of entry. A port of entry in Arizona and several railway crossing in Texas have been temporarily shut down because of the large number of migrants. U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado says she will be changing districts in her bid to continue representing in Congress. The Republican announced on Facebook that she would be moving to the 4th Congressional District in an attempt at a seat vacated by Ken Buck, who would not seek re-election after five terms. Boebert has represented the 3rd Congressional District since 2020. The NBA is approving Mark Cuban's sale of a majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks. Cuban is selling the stake to casino owner Miriam Adelson of Nevada, who is one of the richest people in the world. Forbes listed Adelson as the 35th richest this year and an estimated net worth of $32.3 billion. As part, of the, as part of the unique sales agreement, Cuban will retain control of the basketball operations for the Mavericks as well as shares in the team. And one half of the legendary brother comedy duo is no longer with us, and Trey Thomas reports he leaves behind a legacy of laughter. Tommy Smothers of the legendary Smothers Brothers comedy and music duo has passed away. His family in the National Comedy Center announced he died Tuesday at the age of 86 following a battle with cancer. Tommy's brother, Dick Smothers, says he is forever grateful to have spent a lifetime together with him. I'm Trey Thomas. In sports, the Boston Bruins were victorious last night in their game against the Buffalo Sabres. The score was 4-1, to and the Celtics are getting ready for tonight's game against the Detroit Pistons. Tip-off at 7.30. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. 
The moderate rain this morning, patchy fog, temperature in the mid-40s afternoon. The rain will taper off to spotty light rain or drizzle. The temperature around 50 with a light breeze out of the northeast. Overnight, lower 40s, cloudy with a chance of rain. This chance of rain extending into Friday with temperatures in the mid-40s. 40 is the normal high. Be sure to watch ABC6 from a full seven-day forecast from the ABC6 Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It's currently 47 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. You up better than that extra large cup of coffee. No, more Tim Weisberg on WBSM. And speaking of extra large cup of coffee, I've been downing a bunch of coffee down here at Just Another Phoenix. I'm broadcasting here this morning. It's located on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. I'm here with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light as we are enjoying our Boston Cream Stuffed French Toast. And uh, by the way, Lisa is such a gracious host. She keeps coming over here, checking on us, making sure our coffees are full, making sure we don't need anything else. She's awesome. But so is everybody down here. So come on down and, and have some breakfast. And, uh, and we are talking about the biggest stories in New Bedford in 2023. Going back to your number two story is the, uh, this, right? We're on, are we on two? Number two. No, okay. And we're talking about the, the city council dysfunction. One of the things that I would say is a big part of this story and, you know, I know the pay raises were a big thing and I get it, but that's also part of, you know, the way that's, that's kind of, as much of it was an extreme, it's still kind of government as usual. We know the city council is always doing things that the administration doesn't like and back and forth on this. The thing that struck me this year as being something different was the, the, the city council trying to put questions on the ballot, trying to utilize their ability to do that as opposed to the will of the people to get them on there. That was something that I thought was a very, very uh, stark thing that, that stands apart as, as something different this year. Well, not only did they try to put three questions on the ballot all at one night. It's, it's one thing. It's unusual to put one question on the ballot, to put three on in one night. And then when someone collected signatures, Catherine Adamo with his group collected, I forget how many signatures, but it was a lot, uh, thousands, and refused to put that question on the ballot. So they refused to put the question on the ballot from the public and then they tried to put their own questions where they weren't even, at first they were united Linda was able to get through united the first night and then slowly but surely the councils fell off and the, the, the questions they tried to put on the ballot one of them, the four year mayoral term was just voted on six years ago so it's not like we haven't heard from the city we've only had one four year term when they put it on the one on the Community Preservation Act was a very popular law that that many people had also just voted in the last 10 years and which had built lots of projects around the city. The one question, uh, question that seemed legitimate to me was rent stabilization because everybody was talking about it, but it got lost in the, in the controversies over the other two questions. I think it was a big mistake on Councilor Burgos' part to... to, to, to um, he says there was no deal, but it looked like a deal to everybody because it's hard to imagine very conservative councilors voting for rent stabilization without hearing from the public by way of signatures. And, and as I said, when they did hear by the, from the public by way of signatures, they didn't put it on the ballot. So it was, it was not a, a great, um, it was not a high point for the New Bedford City Council. The, and the other part of that, too, was with the rent stabilization was that the question came before the conversation. 
And instead of this being something that was building up to, okay, let's put a question on the ballot and see what people say after we've held a series of meetings and discussions about this, instead it was the question igniting the conversation. And it, and it did its job in that regard. It certainly did. But I, I, feel, I think people would feel less kind of hoodwinked about it if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the question came first. Well, Councillor Berger will tell you that he did have meetings, unofficial meetings, not council meetings, with groups that wanted to have a rent, um, to, to do something about rental costs in the city. But I think that those meetings were heavy on people like from the Coalition for Social Justice, people who were very much for rent uh, control. You can call it rent control. He says it's not as rent stabilization. I will grant him that it's a different kind of rent control than we used to see in the past. People have tried to equate it with it who are opposed to it. It's not the same. It has a lot of protections that previous rent measures didn't have. But those meetings were held with, with, with mainly with groups that supported rent stabilization. They didn't include the real estate community. They didn't include landlords groups and people like that. And so you came up with a, a ballot question that people were shocked by, and then they very quickly mobilized lobbying the councilors who had already voted for it to change their votes. So uh, if you want to call in and chime in, 508-996-0500. I will say if you are on hold and you are looking to bring up something different that is not the top five stories in the New Bedford area for 2023, you might as well just hang up because this is what we are talking about right now. Um, and I'm going to move on to it just in the interest of time but because I want to make sure we have enough time to discuss it and bring up some of these other stories that, that didn't make the top five. But what would you say is the number one story, Jack Spillane, in New Bedford for 2023? Okay, I think, I think most people would agree with me, but maybe some people not. And that is the closure of the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. Starts to a big I, surprise. That I thought I that would be that your choice, yes. As number one, um, both for the short term and the long range um, repercussions. First of all, it came out of the blue. Uh, the mayor was not informed ahead of time it was coming. State Senator Mark Montigny was not informed ahead of time that it was coming. Two weeks before classes were to begin, the chancellor just announced he was lock stock moving it out as of that day. And uh, faculty, students were taken up in uh, upheaval by it. Uh, they had rallies. Nothing could change their mind. Uh, it all stemmed from Senator Martigny not funding it. Uh, I think there are questions to be raised about that. But there are even more questions to be raised by the way Chancellor Fuller did this and the evidence that I think has been building over the years that UMass Dartmouth long has wanted to get out of downtown New Bedford. It's not even willing to... Now they're talking about building a, a whole new building out in Dartmouth. They could build a building on one of the empty lots in downtown New Bedford if they really wanted to stay here. Um, I think there will be repercussions for this. Um, people say, well, the artists are already here now, but the artists are here because the school is here. And 10 years down the line, when the school is not here, then the artists will not be here as much. So I think it's, I think it's a problem, and um, the way it was done was a problem. And I think it illustrated a bigger problem about the way we fund higher education in Massachusetts. We fund public uh, university system, the UMass system, mainly by tuition and fees and the money that you can raise through research and from your alumni. And, and I think that is not really, you know, the state of Connecticut, for instance, spends twice as much on its university system as Massachusetts does. That's not sustainable. And um, I think that the legislative delegation really needs to get serious about how we fund higher education in Massachusetts. And this issue also illustrated how weak our delegation is that they could not convince Governor Healy to reverse. She says she's still open to it, 
the negotiations have been going on for four months, but so far they have not they have not convinced you to change it. I'm going to make a statement that might pain you a little bit, Jack, but if this had just been the closure of Star Store, it 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 would have been not the number one story, maybe number five, but if it had just been say in March of 23, uh, Chancellor Fuller had come forward and said, you know what? Coming up next fall, we're not going to have the Star Store open. And they gave the reasons and they provided all that information. And this was, you know, a little bit less of a shock. You know, it's still a big story, but I don't know if it's the number one story. The, what makes it the number one story is the way that it was handled and the way that the university still feels like, you know, they're, they're, they're somehow pulling one over on everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think you could argue that. I think you could also argue that the way they did it was Ill- illustrative of an attitude that they have. Mm-hmm. They, it didn't occur to them that this would be controversial because they are so out of touch, because they had so already turned their back on New Bedford. And so this seemed to them just a logical thing to do. Oh, Martini didn't fund it. Instead of going back to the legislature and say, can we ask you to change your mind? Can we have a public process? We will debate this. It, it, they were looking for a way to close it. So I think that the way they closed it was um, an indicator of what their attitudes were. Um, I do think that the closure of that building is the biggest building in downtown New Bedford. I, I think square footage-wise, it, it's one of the biggest. It's, 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 uh, we've already had one water pipe uh, burst. Um, uh, the building, as I understand it, has someone checking in a couple of times a week, but not there all the time. Uh, we know what happens to buildings in downtown New Bedford when they're empty like that. It is not good. And we know that it takes 10, 20 years to find another use for an empty building in downtown New Bedford. So this is a big problem for the city. Well, we do have to take a break. When we come back, we can talk more about the top five stories. We can talk about some of the honorable mentions. We can take your phone calls, 508-996-0500. We will be right back broadcasting live from just another Phoenix on Fonz Corner Road in North Darby. And welcome back in. We are broadcasting live from just another Phoenix on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. That Seize the Deal is live at SeizeTheDeal.com if you want to get $50 in certificates for just $25. Uh, but very quickly, I also want to remind everybody, too, that as we're getting closer to New Year's Eve, you might be planning on having a party. You might be planning on having some friends and family over. And what are you going to feed them? Well, make it a little bit easier for yourself. Stop on by the butcher shop. If you head on over there, they're putting together all kinds of party platters so that you can take part in the festivities and not have to worry about getting all the food ready. So stop in and order your party platter now, and they'll have it ready for you on New Year's Eve. Or maybe you want to get a prime rib. Maybe you missed out on that for Christmas and you want to pick up one and roast it up on New Year's Eve. Maybe you want to have something special on New Year's Day. Start the year off with a tomahawk steak, whatever it may be. And, of course, don't forget to stop in for all your beer and wine needs as well. They have a full wine cellar that has all kinds of fantastic wine, everything from $5 a bottle to $500 a bottle. It's all in how you want to celebrate and how you want to welcome in 2024. You can do it all by stopping at the Butcher Shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford, and uh, stop on by. Tell them Happy New Year. And make sure that you get yourself something delicious. So we are talking with Jack Spillane about the top stories of the year. Jack, we got a couple of calls in the line here. So uh, let's let's take those. Uh, good morning. You're on WBSM. Yeah, I was wondering if they did anything good this year. And specifically, I'm wondering if, you know, as if you leave hazardous wastes down by the ocean, there's likely they're likely to go into the ocean, right? So with global warming, are they preparing for bringing that stuff uphill before things get real rough? 
Well, the light actually has a, a, a pretty big story about what's going on down there, too. Yeah, so we, uh, we have had a number of stories on this uh, substance called glauconite. Glauconite is basically dinosaur poop and stuff that's been there forever. But it's, um, it's hard to drill into. And so you can't really stabilize the turbines when you go down into it. And already they've had to uh, adjust the sites where they want to locate the turbines because it's not stable. I, I do think that the wind industry, you know, to me, climate change is important. It's not a perfect industry. We have to go to, to alternative energy. New Bedford wants to have a share of that. But it's not clear yet because they haven't done enough studies on the fishery as to how it might adversely affect fishermen. So those are legitimate concerns. Uh, I don't, I mean, they're right. Well, that's, they're not right. The answer. that's not what I was asking. I mean, you've got hundreds and hundreds of, you know, yacht clubs that have got a big gas tank. You've got uh, industrial projects that are a quarter mile from the ocean. And with the massive storms that we've been getting, that stuff's already being washed in, even if it's a half mile up. Now, do you feel the same way about the? Do you feel the same way about the oil derricks in the Gulf of Mexico? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, in BP, would never tell America what was in uh, the uh, the anti the dispersers. They, it was a trade secret, so they could have poisoned our whole Gulf of Mexico with a trade secret that America would never know what they were putting out there. Well, some and, people think they have. Well, that's I wouldn't doubt it. 100 degrees in that fishery down there, amazing. And so, you know, we've been poisoning our, our, our fisheries for years. We've been giving them a permit to poison our fisheries. And why would one uh, part of the industry be so disposed of? Um, the only thing I can think of, and this is pretty paranoid, but if you look in ancient, um, uh, the Carthaginians were poisoned out of their land. They plowed salt, salt into their yeah. soil. Yeah, and and the idea that, what's to say some fool uh, telling a county that they have the right to put hazmat down near the water line? Yeah, I think you have to look at the bigger issue, sir, that we're on the verge of a climate catastrophe, and we need to find ways of not putting fossil fuel into the atmosphere. And that's 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 the long and short of it. I'm going to just hold you there just because we got some other calls to get to, but thank you for the call. Have a good day. Uh, Let's get this one in. I'm just keeping an eye on the clock here because... I can't, you know, normally I can be like, well, we can move this around, we can do this. I got to I got to do everything correct here today. So let's go to this line here. You're next with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Okay. Uh, that was a good question that the man first asked in that, uh, that call there about, can we point out one good thing that happened? Maybe the next time you come on, Jack, you can... Come up with something good that. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but I agree with you on the Star Store. That's the big thing. That was a kick in the teeth to every politician down here uh, that was for keeping the Star Store uh, part of the uh, UMass uh, Dartmouth, um, you know, uh, educational system. Except for Chris Markey, because he's the only one that's against it. You know. So, but so we. I want to bring that out. You know. Yeah, he kind of went his own way. You know. But uh, nonetheless. Uh, I think there's another story, though, too. Uh, the city council cut the budget as far as I know, as I can follow on TV, on cable. And uh, the mayor uh, just put the money back in the budget, you know. 
uh, said it was going to go on the next uh, the next uh, budget year. Uh, am I correct on that? Uh, that, that that's that, that's my understanding. I, I almost put that. That is on my honorable mention list. Um, the problem with the um, council cuts is that they cut this this category called general government unclassified, which is not specific purpose. So they never cut the, they never push back on the union contracts. They never push back on the pensions and try to get the legislature to control the pensions. They do all this stuff. They, they, they cut a few thousand dollars out of the mayor's office budget, but nothing that will make a difference in the tax race. So they, they cut this huge amount out of general government unclassified, and it was a huge amount. But the problem was that the mayor has the ability to spend the money, and then the state has to, um, the state makes you raise the, the revenue anyway. So this is one of those issues where I think both sides have to compromise more. And um, I the think that... The Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, well, uh, some of the council is compromised. I don't think so either. So well, th- again, you know, to me, though, that takes away the checks and balances of the, the government, the way it's supposed to work out. And again, yeah. the mayor always comes up with these, uh, these ideas that, well, that we get a special law here. It's even like the four-year term. Did they really do that right? Was that legal? Because you've got a a city charter that says if the mayor can't continue his his two-year term, uh, the the president of the city council will take over. That that doesn't seem to jive with a four-year term. Yeah, so, people, uh, people know, who, the, people the, who are, he, he people, just comes up with his own rules to me. People, people who are opposed to the four-year term uh, have tried every which way but loose to try to come up with something to reverse it. The public has spoken. Uh, yeah, it's but only been the public really speak. That's my point. How can you pass? Yeah, a law they voted. That, they that voted. Dis- it disagrees with the charter, Jack. The charter talks about replacing the uh, the mayor if he leaves with a two-year uh, term from the uh, city uh, from the, the head of the city council. Well, that that's a problem that with it. That, 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 that doesn't you know jive. That's a problem with the charter that needs to be adjusted, but it doesn't mean that the... You can't pass a law that says you can have a four-year term then until you ch- change that part no, the, of the charter. My my understanding is that the four year term uh, uh, adjusts the charter. That that's a change to the charter itself, and it was passed right. by the it, voters. It, it, you can't pass something that's uh, unconstitutional to, for something that's constitutional. You well, know, we, you, that, that's what happened. That that's what happened with the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments to the well, U.S. That's Constitution. An that's an amendment. No, but they that's say. An amendment. This I mean, is an amendment. This is a change in the charter. It's, it's the same, it's type, the same type, type of thing. It's the same type of thing. But well, I, I, I don't look at it that way, Jack. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I got to hold you there, Joe. Anyway, because I got to take the break. Take care. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. All and right. uh, we do have to take this break, Jack. We will be back in just a few moments, broadcasting live from just another film. Wrapping things up here from just another Phoenix. I'm here with Jack Spillane. And, uh, Jack, you wanted to uh, reply to yeah, some I, of those comments. Yeah, I wanted comments. to make one final uh, reply to Joe, which I couldn't get in uh, before. And that is, I think the council would be better off to make specific cuts rather than to cut general government unclassified, a big a big cut to a, a, a category that doesn't have specific spending purposes. And some of those specific cuts might be like, okay, we're going to cut the number of roads that we repair. Okay, we're going to cut the... Um, uh, number of police officers or teachers we have or the number of trees we plant. But when you cut a, a, an unspecified account, that just leaves it to the mayor to come up with the where the cuts can be. And I think it's just politicking. All right. Well, we have about a minute left here before we have to go. I'll just hit you with some of the stories that I had had on my list. I had Wind Comes to New Bedford. I had the City Council ballot questions. I had uh, Star Store, City Council Turmoil, Election Apathy, 
going all the way that, back that to was the on ward, my honorable mention list. All the way yeah. back to the special election for Ward 3. I had uh, migrants on the south coast, and I had the surprise septic changes getting shot down. Even though that was mostly in Dartmouth, it, it did affect New Bedford, and New Bedford Light has an article about that actually right now because there's some other proposed changes coming to help with the nitrogen in Buzzards Bay. Yeah, nitrogen in Buzzards Bay was definitely an issue. Um, sometimes, like, you know, with these things, you've got to leave something off, and it's hard to get everything, but all those are worthy topics that were big, big news this year. All right, well, Jack, I thank you for coming in. I thank you for filling in for me a week from today, and uh, you'll be able to talk with Jack then. And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow morning. I'll be back in the studio. Stay tuned for Chris McCarthy and South Coast Now. And if you haven't got that Seize the Deal yet, jump on over to SeizeTheDeal.com right now. Get $50 in certificates to just another Phoenix for just $25. Our thanks to Lisa and the staff. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.